Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for joining. My name is Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian, and I'm also the host of this podcast, which I created because I wanted to be able to discuss nutrition, wellness, eating disorders, current events, and more from a non-diet lens. So much of what we encounter nowadays is very written with diet culture, and it's so important for us to look at the research, to look to educated opinions, and at least to have some perspectives that are not just the typical diet culture ones that you see. As I am finishing this intro, I'm seeing that the little cap to my mic is off, so hold on. It's like mic ASMR. That sounds better, for sure. Hopefully it didn't sound too off in the first section. Also, I came on today to start my garage band to do the podcast recording, and it had my sound as electrical piano, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it for a second, but then I just thought, wow, that's going to be a wild ride for everybody if I am recording an electrical piano, whatever that means. It probably doesn't actually record that way, but wouldn't that be something? There was actually one time where I was recording a really long podcast. It was the Gluten Podcast, and I can't remember how far I was in, but maybe an hour or so in, I recorded for like 10 minutes in this like echoing microphone, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it it for a while. It was a disaster. Just the trials and tribulations of podcasting. But that is not what we're talking about today. We are discussing actually a current event that happened within the eating disorder world. I originally had a podcast on genetically modified organisms planned for this week, GMOs, but we're going to push that to next week because I really wanted to talk about this. I'm so excited though for you guys to hear this really research heavy in-depth GMOs podcast because I've been seeing stuff about it everywhere. So look forward to that next week. But for this week, we are discussing NIDA again, which is the National Eating Disorder Association, and unfortunately, another misstep that they recently took. If you're wondering why I'm saying another, it's because NIDA has frequently within the last year come under fire for some different things that they've done. One of the main controversial decisions was that they changed their helpline to an AI chatbot and it was giving out disordered eating information to people. And there were a lot of other issues that were starting before this chatbot scandal too. And anyways, there's a lot of drama with this. If you want to hear the podcast, you can just check that out because I have an episode on it. So I'll link it below. But we need to get into what happened this time. So it was good old Halloween. If you guys listen to the podcast, you'll actually know I put out a Halloween survival guide episode and Nita essentially decided to do the same. They released a blog post, an Instagram post, and then a Facebook post on 16 tips for navigating Halloween and eating disorder recovery. Now, I am very lucky because I was able to find the screenshots of this information because they ended up deleting the post, which we'll talk about more in a second. And I've went back and forth on sharing the information within this post because it definitely can 
be for some probably triggering, but I don't think it's so inherently triggering that I should avoid discussing it because I also think that that's probably why you guys are here. You want to hear what was done in the blog post. So I'm going to read out to you what was put into this blog post because I can't link it for you in the show notes because, again, they've deleted it from their platforms. Now, what I'm reading for is, in fact, the blog post, not the Instagram post, but the Instagram post was basically just a slide of different graphics So it was a little bit less informationally dense than the blog post, but nonetheless still hit on the same points. So this is what it says. It's a fun, it's a night of fun and indulgence for many, but Halloween can be a living nightmare for those who are in recovery from an eating disorder. However, with the right strategies and support, you can navigate this holiday while prioritizing your own recovery. In my own experience, when I was struggling with my eating disorder, I would spend Halloween in isolation isolation, engaging in disordered eating behaviors. At the time, my life was filled with secrecy and shame since I never wanted anyone to know that I was struggling. I still remember that very lonely, isolated, and shameful feeling. Here are some helpful tips that myself and others in recovery have found helpful. Create a specific Halloween plan that includes strategies to deal with potential triggers. This might include you having a support person with you, setting a time limit for social events, or bringing your own safe foods. Consider giving away fun stickers, little bottles of water, fun Play-Doh, or any other Play-Doh. Sorry, it's spelled as (laughs) Play-Doh. Why am I thinking that's so funny right now? Anyways, any other fun non-food-related treats for Halloween? Be selective about social events you attend. Choose Halloween events or gatherings that are less food-centric and that are organized by people who are in support of your recovery. Shift your focus to non-food-related food this season what? Sorry, this is actually the blog post. Shift your focus to non-food related food this season. I'm reading it verbatim. Dressing up in a costume, pumpkin carving, watching scary movies, completing arts and crafts with friends, or just spending non-food time with friends. Set time limits regarding how long to stay at a Halloween party and have a buddy to hold you accountable with your time commitments. Have an exit strategy. If you start to feel overwhelmed at a Halloween event, prepare yourself with an exit plan in advance. Drive with the recovery buddy and let them know that you will need to leave if needed due to anxiety. Seven. Sorry, I forgot to read the numbers. During the holiday season, it may be beneficial to order groceries online or have a family member shop for the time being. The holiday goodie aisle can be overwhelming for some. Eight. Avoid restrictive behaviors. (laughs) Sorry, but just... The contradictions here, I can't. The restrictive behaviors can lead to a cycle of disordered eating and guilt. Follow your food plan and seek out more support from your dietitian and therapist. Nine, when in doubt, leave it out. If your first instinct is not to go to that party or buy that food, trust your gut and reach out to a recovery buddy to process your decision. 10. Continue to work on identifying challenging negative thoughts related to food and body image. Practice positive affirmations more during this time. 11. Practice writing a gratitude list to keep focus on what's positive. Increase the number of gratitudes you journal on daily and never repeat the same one. 12. Stay busy helping others. Volunteer and be of service to those in need around the holidays. 13. Practice self-care. Prioritize self-care activities such as meditation, deep breathing, journaling, etc. 14. Practice self-compassion. 
15, talk to your therapists and support groups. 16, stay connected. Reach out to friends or family members who understand your journey and can provide emotional support. If you encounter difficulties, don't hesitate to seek help from professionals who specify in eating disorder and mental health. Expand your network of recovery support and start to expand your toolbox of healthy coping skills. Recovery is one day at a time. It's important to plan and prepare, but do not catastrophize and expect the worst either. Remember that Halloween is just one day and you're on and your recovery is an ongoing process. It's essential to prioritize your health and well-being during this holiday and reach out for support when needed. Sorry for some of my misspeaks. I have a really hard time reading out loud, I feel like. I can speak so much more clearly than I can read out loud. Now, I just want to make note of the fact that the person that wrote this article is actually working with people that struggle with eating disorders. I'm not going to name the person just because I don't, I don't know, I just don't feel like it's right or necessary, but I do want you to know that this person is a family nurse practitioner and psychiatric nurse practitioner who specializes in treating adolescents and adults struggling with eating disorders, substance use, and co-occurring disorders. And she says that not only she has the education and clinical experience, but also is in recovery from an eating disorder. And she uses her own personal experience experience to draw empathy, compassion, and humility. Wow. There's so much to unpack with this. But we're going to get to that in a second. Because we need to explain the next timeline. So, once this post went up, the comments started to get questionable, right? Everyone's sitting there asking in the comments, you know, why are you putting this up? This is promoting disordered behaviors. This seems opposite of what you're trying to do. You know, people start to get upset. So then a couple of days later, Nita posts an apology post. Seems like a tale as old as time, right? So, This was officially one week ago, which means that they posted this apology post the day after Halloween and removed it, so it was only up for a day. What the post says, and it's still up with comments on, by the way, is we received feedback that one of our Halloween posts, or that yesterday's Halloween post endorsed restrictive behavior. We apologize to any community members that were harmed by its content. Remove the post and will ensure that future posts are within our safe content guidelines. Thanks for helping us do better. So that's what the post says. And then the caption is the exact same as that. The comments on this are pretty interesting if you want to check them out. A lot of people just speaking to the fact that it seems like a theme that Nita has been causing harm that they need to diversify the people that they hire and that write for them and review the posts that they have. People just speaking to the fact that they're glad they never got a Nita tattoo or that Nita needs to just stop existing because they keep doing these harmful things. So you can check those out if you'd like to. I'll have the post, the apology post, I should say, linked. But now that you have the timeline, I actually want to revisit this post and some of the points that are the most concerning. So let's begin with the actual strategies that were listed. 
Now, some of these strategies I would say are fine, and then others I would say are extremely concerning. So the ones that I mentioned pretty much of 10 through 16 are fine, where it talks about practicing self-care and compassion, talking to therapists, staying connected, gratitude, helping others, identifying the challenging thoughts. You know, those are all things that are important with any holiday season. But if we were to just take one number back to number nine, this is the wildest wildest recommendation I've probably ever heard from a supposed eating disorder clinician, which is when in doubt, leave it out. If your first instinct is to not go to that party or buy that food, trust your gut and reach out to your recovery buddy to process your decision. Guys, this is the opposite of the truth. When you are in recovery your gut will almost always say the opposite of what is actually most beneficial to you. So if I were to give myself, use myself as an example, when I was in my recovery, I would have always had a negative gut reaction to foods that I didn't eat often. But in fact, that showed me I needed to eat that food because I actually had guilt and fear around the food itself. I'm just desperately hoping that this is not a phrase that is actually being used with clients, but that is used within this blog and article that was spread everywhere. Now, number eight is just funny to me, and it feels like something that someone would write that has really not very little understanding, I should say, of eating disorders which is avoid restrictive behaviors. The restrictive behaviors can lead to a cycle of disordered eating and guilt. Follow your food plan and seek out more support from your dietitian and therapist. There's a few layers to this. Number one, everyone knows that they're supposed to avoid restrictive behaviors. Shouldn't this entire post be around the idea of how to help people avoid restrictive behaviors at Halloween? Like, isn't that the point with recovery is helping people to do that? So saying that is somewhat redundant and explaining what it can lead to is also somewhat redundant. And then it feels like such a limited view on recovery to just say, follow your food plan because not everybody that's in recovery is on a food plan. So this is a very narrow view that really doesn't give the full picture to how to support people during recovery with their holidays. And that ties in to number seven, where it says the holiday goodie aisle can be overwhelming for some. I just, I don't understand what angle we're trying to take with these recommendations, because Essentially, the holiday goodie aisle, of course, can be overwhelming, but again, would be something we would encourage people in recovery to interact with if possible. We would not recommend doing grocery ordering online or having a family member shop for you. Not that those are bad things to do. You totally could have that be something that you add into your repertoire if you're feeling super overwhelmed and debilitated by grocery shopping, but it shouldn't be because you're trying to avoid the holiday goodie item aisle, I mean, because that's actually where we can add in more fun holiday type of foods. 
Six and five, I don't think we need to focus on much. They're just talking about having exit strategies and having a buddy to go to events with. But number four, three, two, and one, again, wild to me. Almost the exact opposite of advice that I would give to people. So number four, shift your focus to non-food related food this season. Every time that's getting me. I, I just, how are, I don't know. We'll talk about the writing here in a second, but there's nothing wrong at all with doing non-food related activities. It's so great to do pumpkin carving or costumes, although kind of funny because it's not mentioned that dressing up in a costume could very be very triggering for someone in recovery, watching scary movies, etc. But it shouldn't be a recommendation to avoid or shift your focus away from food-related activities because, again, couldn't that in and of itself lead to restriction because we're avoiding food in order to get through the holidays, which then in turn could be more inherently disordered. So I would say we want to add in different things that aren't just food to help you with getting in the spirit of the fun for Halloween, but not take them away. And that is similar to the recommendation in three about choosing events and gatherings that are less food-centric. That's the same sentiment around why are we avoiding things that have food? Unless they are so, so triggering that it feels impossible, why are we recommending this in general to someone in recovery? Now, all of these have been interesting in their own right, but to me, number two is just, I, I can't even with number two, which is consider giving away fun stickers, little bottles of water, fun play do, <laughs> or any other fun food, non-food related treats for Halloween. How is it helpful to, again, avoid completely any of the things that could help us to push our realms of recovery around food, right? That's just, it's not what it means to navigate the holidays. Again, I'm not saying that there could never be a time where you engage with non-food related treats for Halloween, but This person is essentially suggesting that instead of having trick-or-treaters come up and get candy from you, you're going to give them non-treat-related things because you're in recovery. And last but not least with number one, the whole idea of creating a Halloween plan to navigate triggers is actually great, but I'm not understanding why we have to set a time limit for social events or bring your own safe foods to Halloween events. Again, this would be exactly what we would not recommend if at all possible for someone that is going through recovery. And even this setting a time limit for social events, I mean, it's good to have boundaries and it's good to make sure you maintain those boundaries for your own mental health. But a big way that eating disorders thrive is in isolation and loneliness. I mean, this person even spoke to that in the beginning of their article, right? How when they were in this period of time, they were very lonely, isolated, and feeling shame. So then why would we specifically 
give tips to set limits on social events where you could come out of that loneliness and isolation. I could talk for so long about all of these tips and honestly why they are ultimately very bad and they do promote restrictive and just strange behaviors as recommendations. I want to make it clear once more that I'm in no way saying that if there are things on this list that you have done, it means you are failing or doing something wrong. It just means that these shouldn't be what Nita, the National Association for Eating Disorders, is sending out as blanket recommendations. And the takeaway point from here about this article is it's extremely concerning that there is someone working in the field that is giving these type of recommendations to someone and that thought that it would be okay to put this type of post out. I'm not sure why this person feels that this was the best information to share. I don't want to speculate because I just don't know, but if they do feel that this is a symptom of what they believe is education around eating disorders, like they mentioned in their description, then I really hope that they have been informed that they actually need to have a little bit of re-education on these topics and what would be important and helpful to share. And that's what brings me to the most important point of this, which is Nita's role. We have no idea what type of steps Nita may have taken with this particular writer, and I don't think that they need to do any specific thing, except that I feel like it would be so important to have a conversation with this person about the effect that this post had on people And potentially the reasons why some of what was shared would not be beneficial. Now, what's sad about this is that that would be happening after the fact of this article already being published. And to me, this article shows so many failures on Nita's part. Because not only is the article not beneficial to those going through eating disorder recovery, and it went from probably a drafted blog post to an actual blog post to an Instagram post and posted on Facebook. And they still didn't recognize that. But also, it's a poorly reviewed article because there are multiple mistakes in terms of typos or misspellings within the article itself, which makes me wonder if Nita is even reviewing these things that they are releasing to the public. And If they are taking the stance as this organization that everybody can go to to get their safe eating disorder information, then why would they ever feel like it would be okay to put out a post that could affect hundreds of thousands of people without thorough review? Or why would they think that it's okay to not thoroughly vet the concepts that the people that are writing for them are thinking of sharing. It just feels frustrating to see yet another apology that Nita is having to make in such a short amount of time that could have been fixed 
by implementing the changes that they themselves have said they're going to do, I believe, at least from comments and different press releases, but at the least that their audience and the people affected by eating disorders have recommended, such as hire more writers that have a true understanding of what's beneficial to someone in an eating disorder, add in more diversity, have better review systems within your organization, give your employees more support, etc., etc. I don't know what the perfect answer is here, but what I can say is I do not think that Anyone should just trust the information that Nita puts out blindly because it's been shown consistently that there are many ways that that information could be unsafe and even harmful, not only to you, but to others within the community. And again, I think this calls for major change for Nita at the absolute least. And it also drives home the point that it's so important to ensure that we inspect diet culture in everything. Just because an organization's eating disorder based or because someone says they work from a non-diet lens or an anti-diet lens or a haze lens or whatever it may be doesn't mean that they are truly 100% anti-diet culture or not sharing things that are diet culture related. And some people are doing so unintentionally and yet that doesn't mean that we just sweep it under the rug. And we don't even know if Nita is doing this unintentionally, intentionally, if they're just unaware, if they are aware. I mean, it's hard to say, but regardless, it just shows the importance of really making sure that we thoroughly inspect the things we consume, especially from organizations that have now shown consistently that they don't deserve full trust at least in my opinion. You can choose how you feel about all of this stuff with the information that is shared. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I mean, I don't know if enjoyed is right. It's never really great to hear about this type of stuff going on. It's such a bummer that this is even happening, but it's important to share this information. And I hope that with it being shared, it, it was helpful to you to have this awareness. If you have any thoughts or questions on this, please feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to chat through anything with you guys. And I can't wait to see you here for our next episode. Bye, guys.